Matthew chapter 13, please. I was just given a note saying that Mrs. Estelle Britt went to heaven this afternoon around 3 o'clock. Mrs. Britt was a very precious Christian. She was a Methodist. She was Mrs. Moody's sister. They almost looked like twins. She has had a terrible bout with cancer. She is Sue Gibson's aunt. And many of you remember Mrs. Estelle Britt. So remember her family and Sue Gibson and others who are part of that family. I appreciate someone sending me that note a moment ago. Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sore. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. A little while ago, Miss Sushera sang, By and by when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more. This morning we read about the judgment seat of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And I'm persuaded that by and by when we look upon the face of Jesus, when we've already gone into heaven, like the quartet sang about tonight, that there will be some tears in our eyes that we didn't give him more, more of ourselves, more of our sins. You say, how could you give God more of your sins? Jesus died for all of them on Calvary. But did you know that many people labor under the awful guilt of sin even after they've given it to Jesus? Even after we know that our sins were judged at Calvary, that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And beloved, when we repent of sin, whatever it is, when we repent of sin and turn away from it, confessing it to our Father in heaven, nailing it to the cross, God holds that against us no longer. Sometimes our conscience accuses us and we fail to have the faith to say to the devil, my sin was paid for at Calvary. Christ washed it all away. I'm not under the condemnation of that sin any longer. By and by when I look on his face, I wish I'd given him more of my sins so I could have a, a conscience-free life 
here in the earth to do his work. I'm convinced that why the reason many people do not serve the Lord faithfully is because they're constantly being accused of, of sin. The devil pushes it in their teeth and tries to make them say to themselves, I'm not worthy to talk to anybody about Christ. Look what I've done. Let him that is without sin cast the first stone. I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just as guilty as he is. And beloved, we never need to lose the fact that we are just as guilty as others. And when, we, when I've been to prisons and go through the doors of prisons and hear them locked and banged locked behind me, and I stand in there and then try to come out, I say to the Lord, but by the grace of God, there go I. But those sins are under the blood. And by and by, when we look on his face, we'll wish we had given him more of the consciousness of our sins and of ourselves, all there is of us on the altar. The scripture we read speaks of four different kinds of people, four different kinds of soil. The word is the same. The sower is the servant of God. The word is the seed that is being sown. And the scripture says some fell on the ground that was not prepared. It, was, it says he understood it not. Then cometh the wicked man and wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is the devil who, who takes away the seed that was sown by the wayside. I think this helps, un, helps you understand why some who make professions of faith do not possess. Jesus talked about one out of four producing fruit. I've heard people give up on soul winning. Why they say I've gone and won people to Christ and they never go on with God. They never go even make it a profession. They never are baptized. Well, Jesus said it would be like that. That's that first group. Then he said in the second group, but he that received the seed in stony places is the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself, but endureth for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. I've known some people who make professions of faith. And when they find out the way is tough, that is not an easy bed of roses. That Jesus said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's not like the world anymore. He's not like he used to be. He's different. They turn away. Their name's still on church books. But their name is not written in heaven. This group never was saved. They made a profession, but no possession. And they got offended at the hardness of the way. Do you remember in John 6, Jesus was telling about the difficulty of the way? And the Bible says there were many, many following Jesus. And in John 6, 66, the scripture says, from that time, many of his disciples walked away, turned away, and left him. They didn't go on with God. There are some that we'll face in life like that. There's some that'll come into the church. Some will make professions. 
But when they discover the difficulty of the way, they turn away. And Jesus said to Peter, will you also go away? And Peter, an example of folks like you, said, to whom shall we turn? Thou only hast the way of life. And then Jesus told about a third group in verse 22. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Now folks, this is an illustration of a person that gets saved. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke that word and he becomes not lost. Doesn't even say he turned away and went away. He becomes unfruitful. And what a tragedy to see people that have been saved be unfruitful. They don't produce fruit anymore. They're not going on with God. I praise God for the Madera Church in South Texas. Our teams have been there many, many times. We went initially like we did in San Antonio and El Paso and, and El Puento and India and planted the gospel. There was nothing there at all. Gathering together a group of new believers and God began to bless and God laid it on the heart of one of our ladies, Madge Smith, to go there and nourish them, help them to grow in the Lord. With great sacrifice she served and it was not in vain. There was collected around that wonderful little church a host of believers. And when we went to Mexico this summer, four young people from that church, three of them and one from another, came as our interpreters. And they had their roots in the church that Glendale Baptist Church helped to organize down in, in Madero, Texas. And they began to grow. What a tragedy when you see people that could be somebody, but they allow things to choke their spiritual life. Sometimes those things are sports. America has gone sports crazy. I think it's immoral to pay these men millions and millions of dollars for playing the game. You probably don't agree with that at all. I cannot understand how God's people can sacrifice and pay great big prices for tickets to give those men millions of dollars a year just for games. We have gone crazy with the lottery. I read some statistics the other day that said most of the people that buy lottery tickets are poor people. They take their little penance, their little bit of money, thinking they can get rich quick. And they sacrifice and they sacrifice and they pour more and more into that so that on a certain day, one man or one woman gets several million dollars from poor people. We've gone out of our minds on things like that. We've gone out of our minds on liquor. 
Almost every store you go in sells it now. All the junior food markets and the one, the, the minute markets and all those things. On our trip, there was no way to look for stores that didn't sell it. I, don't, I didn't see any stores that didn't sell it. And they had it all stacked up. It was a fence to me. Stacked up gobs and gobs of it. There was more beer in those places than there, were, than there was bread. I looked over in one shelf and there was about three loaves of bread. And over here was a whole side of beer and uh, hard drinks. And I believe a lot of Christians are caught up in that. And it chokes out their spiritual life. They become unfruitful. Then there are a lot of folks that are scared. The Bible tells us to go and tell. I wish every one of you could have been with us and seen the boldness with which our young people shared the Word of God. We went to the marketplace in Zacatecas. They gave out thousands of tracts. And like was said in the testimony meetings a while ago, very few threw them down on the ground. Hardly anybody gave them back. Hardly anybody refused. But we would see them sitting there reading that tract. They were hungry for the Word of God. That isn't true in America. You give out a tract and they'll look at you like something wrong with you, like you're giving them poison ivy. Or they'll gobble it up and throw it on the ground. God help America. The other day on the 4th of July, we were not here. Thank God for our service here. Brother Bob preached and Brother Mickey preached. We had our own service and we sang, God bless America. And I thought in my heart, God help America. Oh God, help this nation. And help Christians that mean business with God to not be afraid, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you'll notice carefully in the New Testament, the evidence of the fullness of the Holy Spirit had nothing to do with clapping your hands, had nothing to do with clipping your heels. It had nothing to do with jumping up and down or waving your hands or speaking in tongues. It had nothing to do with any of that. The evidence of the fullness of the Holy Spirit was a burden for souls. And it led people to go out into the highways and hedges and bring them in. The early deacons, one of the qualifications was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you'll notice what Stephen did, he went out on the street corners and gave his testimony about the resurrection of Christ. And the folks laid their clothes down at a young man's feet named Saul. And he consenting to his death, they stoned Stephen to death for giving his testimony about Jesus. Philip, a few days later, went over to Samaria. He began to preach about Jesus. There was great joy in that city. And after the revival, God said, Philip, I have another assignment for you. You leave this great place and go down to the road to Gaza. And I want you to speak to somebody I've got down there for you. And Philip didn't even know where he was going or what he was doing. He just obeyed the Lord. And folks, that's what we need to do. And Philip went down there on the road to, to Gaza and he saw a chariot coming. And here was a very important eunuch who was, with, who was in high office with the queen of Ethiopia. And he was reading from Isaiah 53. You say, is it possible to read the Bible and not be saved? Well, you just read that chapter. 
the eighth chapter, the ninth chapter of Acts. He was reading it. And Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? Why well, he said, how can I except some man show me? And Philip clammed up in that chariot boldly. He wasn't invited. He just boldly went up there. He opened the scriptures and began to preach unto him Jesus. In a few minutes, that Philip, that, that eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? See, Philip told him all about what he needed to do after he got saved. Folks, we need to tell people that they need to be baptized after they're saved. One of the problems we face with our kids and children here is that many make professions, but few follow on in baptism. And we need to work on that, pray about it, and try to get them to go on. And Philip baptized that eunuch down in the water, and the eunuch went on down to Ethiopia. We need the boldness of the Holy Spirit. We can have that. Be not drunk with wine, we're in a success, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a song I like. Tommy and Linda used to sing it. Have you wandered along in life's pathway? Have you lived without love a life of tears? Have you searched for the great hidden meaning? Or is your life filled with long, wasted years? Wasted years. Wasted years, oh, how foolish, as you miss out on God's hall of fame. Turn around, turn around, God is calling. He's calling you from a life of wasted years. And when I think of that third person that Jesus spoke of, I think of wasted years. Saved, yet so is before. Serving the Lord? No. Saved? Yes. But the cares choked out their fruitfulness. They became unfruitful. And then Jesus told about the fourth mud. He that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now a person that is filled with Jesus and loves Jesus, not everybody's going to be alike. Billy Graham has won millions and millions and millions to the Lord. There's no way of knowing how many he has led to Jesus by his great preaching, dynamic preaching in the great crusades. There are others who have won fewer, but they've given God their best all on the altar. That's all God wants. That's all God wants. He didn't make us all alike. He didn't give us all the same gifts, but he gave us all the same commission. Go and tell, go and tell, go and tell. And as we tell that old, old story, God will give some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirty, some ten. But God will use you. By and by, when we look on his face, I wish I'd given him more of my time. E.M. Bounds wrote some books about prayer. One of the things that stirred my heart years and years ago, and I wish every preacher, young preacher, would read this. He said, for a preacher to spend time doing nothing, and just playing golf, and doing some kind of sports, while men and women are dying and lost and going to hell, 
is like a doctor in a terrible siege of some awful pestilence, deciding to take time off and go play golf while there are people dying of that physical affliction. And young men, God's called you to preach. Remember, you're probably not going to have time for vacations or time off. People have talked to me about that and said you ought to take some time off. I'll, I like what Dr. Dr. Gordon used to sing, I'll take my vacation in heaven. Now God, when I was a little boy, young boy in high school, I had an ambition to travel. And in the yearbook, when they, you know how they write the wills and they write what you're expected to be and so on, they wrote that, that my ambition was to travel. And it was at that time. Well, I didn't get to travel much. We traveled on a train some, but I wanted to travel widely. But I got into the work, and God called me to preach when I was 19. I went on to finish college. I went on to the seminary. I didn't take any times off. While I was in college, I was called to be a servant at church in Savannah, Tennessee. When I left there, I was called to Guthrie, Kentucky, where Brother Mason Morris was. When I left there, I was called to Michigan. When I left there, I was called to Glendale. That was 42 years ago. Sometimes I've gone to the Holy Land. That's been to try to help our young people understand the biblical truths. Sometimes we've gone to Bible conferences and some conventions, but those are not vacations. Those are where we try to invest more of ourselves in the work of the Lord. We've been on missions like the Mexican mission and others. Those are not vacations. I want to tell you, not one of those young people that went on the Mexican mission had a vacation. They were busy, 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 long hours and little sleep. Travel? Yes. And you know what happened? God said to my heart a few years ago, do you remember when you were in high school and you wanted to travel? I said, yes, Lord, I remember. He said, you never get, did get to do it till you got in the work of the Lord, did you? And in the work of the Lord, you've traveled nearly all over the world. You see, God will take care of your needs. Let it come naturally. You don't have to waste your time doing a lot of things that don't mount to a hill of beans when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ. By and by, when I look on his face, I wish I'd given him more. I have a lot to be accountable for. But I want to be able to say, Jesus, I served you the best in your hell. I tried to serve you day after day after day after day. And you've given me the health to keep on. Some of our dear precious people warned me before I left to Mexico, you ought not to go. You've been in the hospital five times in one month, one or two months. You're not, not strong enough, and I asked God to help me, and he did. He helped me, and I'm back. I feel just as good as I did before I went. And I want to tell you, if we could give him more, all there is of us on the altar, 
God will reward you. If we delight in the Lord, He'll give us the desires of our heart. Dave Walters used to talk about a girl that he used to go with, and he thought he loved her, and he talked about her all the time, thoughts were on her all the time. He went to one of his counselors, a spiritual man, talked to him about it, he said, David, you got a problem. You're delighting in that girl. You're not delighting in the Lord. David said, it changed my whole thinking. I began to delight in the Lord, and God didn't give me that girl, but he gave me somebody else that was better. When your delight is in the law of the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart as long as your desires are for the delight of the Lord. And dear beloved friends, in this parable that Jesus told, he told about those this, the ground was good ground, and the product was hundredfold and sixtyfold and thirtyfold and tenfold. We don't all accomplish the same. No Sunday school teacher should ever quit and say, Well, I'm going to quit because I can't win as many as somebody else. No preacher ought to quit because he says, I can't win as many as somebody else. We need to just give the best we are. I want to challenge our church to give the best we have. We don't have to give what somebody else gives, just give the best we've got. Give them the best talents we've got. If you can sing, sing. If you can teach, teach. If you can fix things like Danny, Danny Pettigold can fix things, do it. That's what he does. I love this old man over here. It's not old. This this guy right over here. There's hardly anything he can't fix, and he does it. And he's busy all the time. I don't know whether he takes any time off or not. He works all through the week, and on Saturdays in the bus ministry, and on Sundays busy all day. What I'm trying to say to you folks, please, give your all on the altar. Now, bodily exercise profiteth a little. You need some of it. If you don't have some of it, you won't be able to accomplish what God wants you to do physically. You become a weakling and dry up and blow away. The doctor told me I ought to walk. You know what I do? I really don't have time to go out there in the mall and walk around 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 like some of them do. When I go to the hospital, I walk up and down the steps. I walk up and down the halls. I park as far away from the hospital sometimes as I can, walk to the hospital. I get some exercise. But I'm telling you, I plead with you, let's put her all on the altar. Let's give God all we have. God will bless you. God will bless our church. I do not know how soon God will lead us and let us build a building out there at Cave Mill. I think he's waiting on us. He's waiting on us as to our sacrificial giving all on the altar. I think of Mrs. Raglan years ago, 95-year-old Mrs. Raglan. She's in heaven now, been there a long time. We were raising money for, I think it was this building. 
And we went to everybody's home, and selling bonds and raising a building fund and all that. Went by Ms. Ragland, she didn't have very much. Sort of embarrassed, one of our men said I was embarrassed to even go there and ask her for anything. So I just went and had prayer with her. Before I left, Ms. Ragland had a little envelope ready. And she said, here, I don't have very much, but I'm going to make an investment in the growth of my church. And she gave what she had. That's been repeated many, many times. You know what God did? God took that and broke it and blessed it and multiplied it until we had enough. And God blessed. He'll do that for us. He'll do that for you. He'll do it for our church if we'll give him our all on the altar. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that when the seed of the Word of God falls on good ground, there'll be a result. But there's such a close kinship between the third and the fourth illustration here where the seed fell on that ground and they received it, but they allowed things to choke out their fruitfulness. Oh, God, don't let that happen to us. Don't let things, whatever they are, choke out the fruitfulness that you want us to have. But may we place all on the altar so that one day when we stand face to the King, even though we'll wish we had given him more, we will be able to say, Lord, I gave you all I knew to give you, all I could. All that you gave me, I gave back to you and trusted you to bless it and multiply it and make it what it ought to be. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. Thank you for your attention tonight. I preached out of a burdened heart. Such a joy to be able to preach back at Glendale tonight. Missed you a whole lot while we were gone. This is the greatest, I think you're the greatest people in all God's world. Let me encourage us to put our all on the altar so that when we stand before the King someday, we'll not have to have tears of regret. So I didn't know it would be so good up here in heaven. I didn't realize it would be so precious. I wish I'd given you more on earth. And I want to add, I'm not going to preach anymore, but this would be part of my sermon if I didn't run out of time tonight. I want to add, when you give God all there is of you, it's like heaven here. You'll enjoy it. Try it. You'll like it. The Coke people used to say, try it. You'll like it. I want to ask you to try giving God all you are, and you'll like it. You'll love it. It'll be like heaven on your... They sang while ago to Canaan's land. I'm on my way where the soul of man never does. I don't know whether you sang that or not or not. Was that what you sang? Yeah. But it made me think. We don't have to get to Canaan before we can have that joy in our heart. We can have it as we put our all on the altar for Christ. And God will bless us. Let's do it. Tonight, however God has spoken to your heart, respond. It may mean a rededication. It may mean a commitment to serve. It may mean God's calling somebody to preach, to serve. It may mean 
that God wants to change some things in some of our lives. It may mean you're not saved and you need Christ. Open your heart to him. Don't say no when God says go. While we begin to sing, who will step out for Christ? Even to move your letter here, you come professing your faith in Christ or making a commitment to Jesus while we sing. <laughs>